Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His Church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to his instructions in humble obedience. In this podcast, we interview a good friend, a prolific author, amazing guy named John Whitehead. Well, what a privilege to have a friend that, frankly, I haven't been with for many years, but has meant a lot to me in the past. Attorney John Whitehead from the state of Virginia. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you for having me on, sir. It's good to uh, see you again after uh, some years ago. It has been. And let me tell a little bit more about John. Some of you may not be familiar with him, but uh, John's an attorney. He's an author. He's written, debated, practiced widely in the area of constitutional law, human rights, and popular culture. He founded and leads the Rutherford Institute, which is a nonprofit civil liberties and human rights organization located right there in Charlottesville, Virginia. And their goal is to make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. Now, there's an original idea and a good (laughs) idea. We'll talk more about that. He's filed numerous amicus briefs before the U.S. Supreme Court. He's been co-counsel in several landmark Supreme Court cases. He's a prolific author. He's authored more than 30 books. Man, oh man, when do you have time to do anything else on various legal and social issues? And uh, he has a video series that he recently wrote and directed called Grasping for the Wind, focusing on key cultural events of the 20th century. We have also received some uh, medals from the New York Film and Video Festival. So again, thank you for, for joining us, John. And, and uh, well, let's just remind our viewers and listeners how we interacted in the, in the past, uh, John. Um, back in 1982, I was on the bench, a juvenile court judge here in uh, Kent County, Grand Rapids area, Michigan. And I had a case of a 13-year-old girl who was about four or five months pregnant. She was already a ward of the court. We didn't know she was pregnant when she became a ward of the court. But later, we found that out. Uh, Planned Parenthood had told her that if she gave birth, her heart would stop, And uh, which was not true. The the father of the, the baby was her boyfriend, by the way. But anyhow, the, the Planned Parenthood wouldn't do the abortion because she was already awarded of the court. So her lawyer presented a petition asking for me to grant the abortion. And here I am, a juvenile court judge protecting born children from abuse and neglect. And they're saying, OK, we want you, judge, put on a different hat and order the killing of this innocent unborn child. And I said, oh, are you kidding me? How did this happen? So in my travails, I found uh, one of your books, Second Great American Revolution, I think you call it, and uh, somehow we connected, and you were an encouragement to me at the time. Thank you, John. Yeah, we're still doing that, a lot of that work, because uh, 
Uh, as a Christian, I feel my goal on this planet is to help my fellow people. And I'm trying to encourage other Christians to do a lot of that. And it's been a little difficult getting a lot of Christians involved in some of these really, really key issues of what's going on. But my last two books, by the way, you didn't mention was uh, Battle of America and uh, A Government of Wolves. But those two books um, maybe did, but I just wanted to say, go into detail what's happening in this country and in the world. And if Christians aren't careful, we're moving very, very closely into mm -hmm. what people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer faced, the great German minister who opposed Hitler, and Hitler had him executed. Yeah. Uh, but he said uh, the way of the Christian is the way of the cross. Yeah, the that's something. Yes. And it's an uphill battle always. Uh, I mean, when Jesus Christ was there and fighting for everybody, by the way, he was... Uh, you know, the meek shall inherit the earth. And who are the meek? Those people who need a lot of help. And uh, we can do that. And, uh, you know, people with law degrees, ministers, uh, people in business that have money can do a lot of things. I mean, we take on cases for homeless, people who feed homeless people now. Major cities are fighting that. I mean, which is crazy. Yes. Um, and all the uh, cases we see were... Uh, Churches, we, we, we defended a church that was holding an outdoor meeting during mm -hmm. the COVID situation and uh, on a cell phone, the cars were sitting in the parking lot. <laughs> the That's police right. arrived and said that it was dangerous what he was doing and he was violating the law and he needed to get off the, you know, stop it. So he called us in and we uh, backed the police off, but we do those kind of things. Yes. But we're seeing some crazy things happening across this country now. And, um, I mean, the government is watching everything we're doing. They're, they're heavy in the predictive policing, by the way, now, mm -hmm. and trying to make sure if you commit a crime or say the wrong word now on Facebook, you can face uh, police at your door. There are 80,000 SWAT team raids annually in America now. Whether you know about, about SWAT teams, but they crash through doors in the middle of the night. Sure. Flashbang grenades. Boom. And uh, people are getting shot. The uh, decorated hero war hero, uh, Jose Guerrero in Arizona, the police were doing a sweep of his neighborhood to find marijuana and crashing through door. They crashed through his door. He put his wife and child behind and grabbed the only gun he had at home his hunting rifle and stood at the end of the hallway waiting to see who it was because they didn't know. It was the police. They saw him and shot him 70 times and killed him. And his wife tried to get it. He was laying on the ground having trouble breathing and she said, call the emergency people. And they pushed her away and said, no. And walked off. Uh -huh. Guess what? No, no marijuana was found in a man's home. We're seeing that happen on a regular basis. But here's the thing. The mainstream media that most people watch, including Christians, does not give you this information. They're not telling you what's going on. And one reason they don't is a lot of it's controlled by the United States government, uh, which Carl Bernstein of Bernstein and Woodward, who outed Nixon, he wrote a detailed article saying he was shocked when he was trying to work with New York Times and the major media, finding out, by the way, they were working with the government vetting articles, editing, helping Ryan. He said, it's not journalism, folks. So we're in a really strange situation. You know, the mark of the beast is coming, in my opinion. It's already here in many ways. But mm -hmm. Google has said now by 2029, what are you talking about, six or seven years away? And they say it's moving quicker than they said. This program of singularity where a artificial intelligence is going to be shooting into our heads and uh, basically mm -hmm. taking over our minds.
called Singularity. And uh, the head of uh, Google, Eric Schmidt, said this, I will know what you're thinking before you think it. Wow. And this is what Google works with the Chinese government in setting up their social credit scores as well. Really? Where they rest, believe this, Christians and other religious people and shove them in the detention camps if they're so-called resistors. Yeah. Uh And who was the biggest resistor in history, in my opinion? The one they nailed to a cross named Jesus. Well, taught love, but he was a resistor. He resisted, overreached by government, by how they treated people. And he spoke out against things. He went into the temple. He didn't like their materialism. I mean, he did some things today that if you did that, I mean, you'd be in jail, maybe Mm -hmm. in a private prison, couldn't get out for a while. And we deal with that issue, too. Private prisons now are one of the biggest money makers in America. They're shoving people into prison. They can't get out for minor crimes. And they're making products for Microsoft, picking fruit, women are up to 12, 14 hours a day for major corporations like Walmart. And they're making a lot of money off of it. America has the biggest prison population in the world, believe it or not. Right. So we have a lot of similarities, by the way, Mm. to past regimes. I note in my book, uh, Government of Wolves and uh, Battle for America, that uh, is emerging at this point in time. And what blew my mind when I studied Nazi Germany was how most of the churches went along with Nazi Germany. And That's the true. They did. They did. There were swastikas over the top of many churches you went wow. in. Man, now, this blew, this blew Dietrich Bonhoeffer's mind when it started developing. Mm-hmm. And he went after it and said, stop this. This is wrong. You shouldn't be supporting this here. Yeah. And the question is, in America, where we kind of lean back and say, oh, they'll take care of it, the police, the government, the agents, the FBI. Right. Is it in government we trust or in God we trust? Yeah, that's good. That's as good. I my, as I noted in my books, by the way, uh, the people who founded this country, Thomas Jefferson, his statutes are being ripped down all across that's the country. That's true. That's true. All our rights come from God. He said they come from God, and they're that's inalienable. Right. Well, I'm what does that word mean? They look at me, oh, no. Uh, means non-transferable. They're there always. You can't lose them. They're there. If you're in a prison, you still have your inalienable rights. That's right. That's in the Declaration of Independence. And the question I've got, as I talk to Americans today, 74% of Americans recently polled could not n- name how many amendments are in the Bill of Rights. Hmm. Hmm. There's 10, folks. Uh, I talk to lawyers who can't tell me the five freedoms of the First Amendment. It's not taught in schools today, a lot of schools very well. They don't read the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. So, what we are creating in America is a class of servants who are going to serve what? The government. Mm-hmm. They believe that they watch enough TV and the stuff that Zuckerberg's putting out over Facebook and uh, again, all heavily controlled by the government. What's going to happen? When children are sitting at their tables at dinner, when we go out to eat, my wife and I, we're always look around and go, look, there's a whole family on a cell phone staring at it. That's true. Getting information from who? Well, it's there to control you. They want to sell you products. They, and they, again, my, I'll, I'll just tell you, we're in a total surveillance state. Your phone's listening to you. Your television's listening to you. There's facial recognition software all over the country, everywhere you're going. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, Google says we, we track you wherever you walk. The drones up in the sky from two miles up have facial recognition software. Mm-hmm. We can track you. Mm-hmm. So license plate readers on police cars, up to 1,600 images of um, uh, uh, 
hours they travel around watching people going to meetings are you going to church where are you going what mm -hmm. kind of church is it a rebel church yep and okay watching yeah all right well you know we you know it's kind of like the 1984 book and so on that you know that, yeah. that you're being watched at all the times but we do have from matthew 28 god uh, jesus said to his 11 um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. So don't play defense. Don't huddle in your churches. Don't shake in terror. Go. Play offense. Go make disciples. And I'll be with you to the end. Now, those guys that he said that to, um, pretty much all of them ended a rather uh, unpleasant life here. But they're in glory now. And uh, so we need not play defense. Again, we need to be alert. We need to be aware of what's going on. But uh, we, we should not give up, should we, of uh, being his followers, making disciples, communicating the truth in love to the people around us, drawing people into his kingdom as we share the gospel. And, I mean, he's ultimately in charge, right? He's in charge. And... Uh... I wonder again, I got a good quote here. I wanted to read you from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which kind of sets the mode of how I want to live my life. Yeah. Here's what he said, the great German minister. Your eyes, what your yes to God requires uh, you to say no to all injustice, to all evil, all lies, all oppression and violation of the weak and poor, to all ungodliness, and to all mockery of what is holy. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're at today. I'm trying to get people. Yeah. If you're concerned about abortion, then get together and go down and pick at that Planned Parenthood Center. Mm -hmm. If you're concerned about where your government's going, if your government's actually allowing the SWAT team raids where kids are getting shot, up to mm -hmm. 500 dogs a day are killed in your community, and they are. Most communities have SWAT teams now. I had one police chief who, by the way, was a Christian, but he called me and said, I've read your stuff. I didn't agree with it at first, but I'm slowing down the SWAT team raids in my, my area. And I said, what happened? He said, well, during a SWAT team raid, one of his men actually took an AK-47 rifle, which they have all these military gear, yeah. and pointed it at a four-year-old kid's head. He said the rest of the SWAT team members flipped out, pushed him out of the way, and they came to me and said, something's out of uh, yeah. think here. But here's the key. When I talked to people who teach in these police academies now. They said they're being trained militarily on American soil. So what did uh, George Washington say? Do not have a standing army on military soil. Mm. And that's what they face is this kind of thing. And we're in a situation, we can do something about it. And that's the key. Uh, the kingdom of God is within us, I keep saying. And we that's can right. speak it that's out right. to others and tell people, let's put this stuff back. We can have freedom in this country. We don't have we shouldn't be allowing the government to watch us and everything we do. Why, mm -hmm. folks? Can anybody answer that question on your bottom? Listening to me now, the Fourth Amendment says the government can't do surveillance on you or whatever unless they have evidence of illegal activity or a certain. Yep. yep. You do anyway. That's right. You know? And people, I'm saying, get out on the streets and get get some of this stuff. You can change it in your community. Yep. Get your ten best neighbors and get out there and. Yep. What's the foundation of it, John? I go. Haven't you read the First Amendment? You yeah, have a right yeah. to petition the government for a yeah. it do this thing because the founding fathers, they grew up in a Judeo-Christian world. Early America was Judeo-Christian to the core. And as I've written in all my books, basically, 
And they, these are all Christian principles they saw, you know, and Benjamin Franklin said, I look around, the creation is beautiful. It's ordered. All these things we see, Mm -hmm. we can do this ourselves, folks. Sure. So there's the answer. That's good. Well, you know, it's someone has said you're either a, a, have a government of, of, of laws or a government of men, you know, and, uh, you know, you, you point to the Constitution, you know, you, you want your, your goal of your organization, Rutherford Institute, is to make the government play by the rules of the Constitution, the written rules. If we have a government of, of laws, everyone is under the law. When I was a judge, I, I tell this story fairly often, occasionally I'd get a parking ticket, okay? And even though I was a judge, I was under the law, I'm not above the law. And I didn't, you know, I'm Dutch also, and I don't like to throw money away, you know, as part of being a Dutch person, just for the record. Okay. But there was, there's a part of me that was somewhat gleeful when I would go and pay that five or $10 fine for a parking ticket, because it, it emphasized that I too am under the law. You know, it used to be the king can do no wrong. The king makes the laws. We're going back to that time where forget what the written law says. We decide what's right and wrong because we're smarter than the rest of you guys and we're government. And and so we get these things that that are contrary to the Fourth Amendment and the First Amendment and so on. And uh, because they're not looking at what the actual law is, we're all safe if the law is is respected. One of the greatest uh, exceptions from following the law would be Roe v. Wade. I mean, just think what the Supreme Court did in 1973. On, on January 21, 1973, abortion was a felony crime in Michigan. However, on January 22, 1973, abortion became a revered constitutional right. And they supposedly got this out of our Constitution, didn't they, John? The 14th Amendment Due Process Clause, which yeah. reads, quote, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. When I tell that to non-lawyer people, they just give me the most bewildered look. They say, wait a minute. That means you have a, a woman has a right to abortion? It should be just the opposite. You can't deprive someone of life without due process. Yeah, but you got to be a person. And the Supreme Court at Roe v. Wade said, the unborn, especially one that, that, that cannot live outside the womb. It's not viable outside the womb. It's not a person. Okay. So don't worry about that one. But the woman is a person because she's been born and you can't deprive her of her liberty. And guess what liberty includes? The right to kill your unborn child that you're carrying. So when Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death, obviously had in his mind abortion, needless to say. I mean, that's ridiculous. And and in fact, in my book, Justice for the Unborn, I I quote legal scholars, legal scholars that are pro-abortion, just shaking their head in bewilderment at what at what the Supreme Court did in Roe v. Wade. So that's just one, to me, one of the most egregious examples of making up the law rather than actually following the written law. Oh, yeah. And I've, uh, you know, it's, uh, the question is, killing so-called unborn child, as they, they, they position it. But I had a really good friend named Nat Henhoff, and you should look him up. He I, was, I know his name, sure. Yeah, Nat was my best friend, by the way. We were, uh, we were good buddies. Uh, but 
Nat came to me and he was, he had been pro-abortion. And he said, I got to tell you, John, I'm no longer pro-abortion. I said, what happened, man? This is way back in the oh, yeah. day. And when we would debate each other and he sure. goes, I saw a video of the baby in the womb. Yeah. It, it blew my mind. He said it was reaching for its cord. Yeah. Yeah. And doing this and yeah. reaching around and moving. And he said, I'm not, I can't kill that. There so he go. came out. He's a, he was an atheist, by the way. Oh, isn't that <laughs> something? Well, yeah, he was funny, but he was a good man. He was a really good man. Sure. He stood for liberty and freedom for all. Whether yeah, or not. Yeah. Yep, but I get the point it. was, he saw what was in the womb. Yep. And being true to what he saw, he, he, he didn't back away and go, I'm going to believe the philosophy. Let, let, me, let me just finish. Remember, I started with a story about this 13-year-old pregnant girl. Yeah. Um, so after my decision, I took all the evidence and all the evidence was she did not physically did not need to have the abortion. It was just emotionally. She felt that she should have it because of what Planned Parenthood told her that her heart would stop if she ever gave birth, which was not true. Anyhow, I said no abortion, but I went on to editorialize in my opinion that even if the evidence would show that somehow it would be in her even her emotional best interest. Again, if it was going to kill her, that's a whole different story. But if somehow emotionally the evidence had said, well, yeah, it might help her to get rid of this pregnancy, I still wouldn't do it because I considered it a criminal act for me to order the killing of an innocent unborn child. Anyhow, she, I also had to put her in a group or a foster home after that second hearing that I had uh, because she was running away from home and out of control there. And so she goes in this group home or foster home and she said, what's this big deal about abortion? So she got an ultrasound and just like Nat Hintoff, she sees this little boy in her womb sucking his thumb. She said, ah, why didn't somebody tell me there's a baby in there? Yep. She changed her mind and wrote me a thank you letter. Very okay. Good. But still the Grand Rapids press and media, there was even an editorial in the New York times about me, believe it or not. But the, the press still didn't like my decision, and I, I took some major heat from various groups, uh, National Organization for Women, filed a complaint with the Judicial Tenure Commission, and so on. But by the grace of God, it all got dismissed, and we continued. But I had to put my job on the line, and that's really what you're talking about. We have to have the courage to take a stand, even if it means, um, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he ends up losing his life. But that's what we're called to do. This life is short anyhow. And we're called to obey God with courage and love uh, in whatever he calls us to do. And you've certainly been doing that in your life, my dear friend, in so yeah. many ways, through what you write and through what you do. And I'm proud of you, thankful for what you do. The key here, too, is like the American government today is not the government the founding fathers put together. They, they roll over the graves. They would be going, you're nuts. They're watching everything you're doing. They're arresting people. Uh, putting them in jail for mm -hmm. possibly maybe they'll commit a crime. By the way, a, an MIT study and Harvard study, 94% of the people that were arrested in Washington, D.C. based on predictive crimes, 94% were found not guilty of anything, but they were arrested and taken to jail. So we're, we're, we're in a society that if we don't speak out against this, we're agreeing with it. That's true. If you agree with it, by you know, people listening to this broadcast, it's time to get up and get off your butts the average American watches 150 hours of television a month. Mm -hmm. Turn off the tube, folks. Get out there and get active in life. You may only have another year in your life. And when you, if you get up to the gates of heaven and they look at you and say, you heard all this stuff, why didn't you do anything about it? 
Yeah. And that's the key here is it's our job. It's our duty. That's why we're here. We're here to care for others. What did Jesus do? He's told the story of the Good Samaritan. When everybody right. passed a certain we were not having to do anything with that guy. Get away from here. Jesus said, you take care of him. That's your job. And if we did that in our life today, all the homelessness we see, if our churches would take over and end that, they could end it, folks, in a couple of years. If they work in their community, help a lot of these people who have issues and problems, yeah. support homeless groups that do this. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do to change this world. Our kids are coming out of school not knowing their rights, anything about morality. They're being taught just the opposite. Mm -hmm. They're being taught that anything goes. You can do anything you want to do. It's just party, have fun. Right. But who, who makes the money off of that? The people running the government, which is basically big. And there's a recent study uh, out of Princeton, uh, excuse me, SMU University showed that in Princeton that Psychopaths and all the money congregate in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is run by 585 billionaires, basically what we call the deep state. Mm -hmm. And during this COVID pandemic, the top 13 billionaires in America made over $300 billion increase in their pocket. What? Wow. wow. They're not sharing that with anybody. I hear them talking about, well, you know, we want to do good. What about people going hungry and losing jobs? What are you doing, dudes? They're not doing anything. Right. They're keeping their money. What did you... What is the root of all evil? The love of money. Yeah, that's right. The key is we got a duty here. We're on this planet. Let's do our duty and let's stand up for those who need help. And uh, that's what we do at Rutherford. We're a nonprofit group. We uh, give out a, a pocket constitution. We tell put that read this first, your bill of rights. And if you get stopped by the police or whatever, use this, mm -hmm. learn, and teach the police sometimes to learn. To give you an example, we had a case where a guy called me and said, John, your Bill of Rights pamphlet worked. I said, what happened? He was on a street corner. I think it was in New York City protesting by himself. Mm. And the police pulled up and said, jumped out of their car and ran toward him and said, what are you doing here? What, are you, what authority do you have? He goes, oh, let me read you the First Amendment. He read it. You know what the cops did? They went, oh, okay. The First Amendment, sure. He got in the car and drove off. Oh, isn't that something? So That's people can wake up, teach your kids the Bill of Rights at home because the people who gave them to us yep. came from a Judeo-Christian culture that believed in God, not in man to rule. Mm -hmm. And here's the key. The guy who wrote the Bill of Rights, James Madison, said this, we ought to mistrust all those in power. Mm. Why? Because men have a sinful nature. That's true. Power goes through their head. How many yeah. people have we seen in our history in this country where Power goes to the head of some government official who either yeah. rapes women, steals money, whatever they do. Yep. And we hear about it all the time, folks. Wake up. Yep. Yep. That's right. Power corrupts. Yeah, it it, it does. It goes to the power head corrupts, of people. Absolutely. Yeah. And we see that, you know, as, as we, the, the limousine liberals, sometimes we call them, you know, the people in, in D.C. And, and other leadership positions just feel, you know, that, that gives them a sense of I'm good because I, I'm better than the, these unwashed people that were helping and saving and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. The power comes from the people. Uh, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness from the declaration. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from whom? From the consent of the governed. Power flows up from the governed. 
Exactly. And we've lost track of that basic concept that, that is in our founding document. So, okay, what, what, you know, talk to Joe Blow out there. He says, okay, I'll quit watching so much TV. Uh, and you, you're getting my, my interest here, but what can I actually do? What, talk, talk to what, what Joe Blow out there or, or Janet Blow, you know, is listening to you. Okay, you, you, you got my attention, but John, what do, what do I do? What can I do? How can I make a difference? What well, do you, what I'm would you tell people to do is, again, if you read the Bill of Rights, the 10th Amendment says that local governments can nullify acts of the federal government. Uh, governments doing all these band-aids, lockdowns, everything mm -hmm. they're doing today, uh, trying to force businesses to follow. Again, mm -hmm. when you got the government interfering with private businesses, it means private property is disappearing, and you're going to have a status environment mm -hmm. we're seeing coming. so what i'm telling people is all you need is two or three people to, to start something like this i call it civil liberties oversight committees hmm. civil liberties oversight committees okay. in your local start talking on the phone start meeting in your homes and look at your local government here's the thing about many local governments in our country they're run by money outside town their money from large corporations. Mm -hmm. They pick what they want to do. When people say, well, what happened? Why, how do they do that big development stuff? They didn't, the other one was run by us. And you have local governments just deciding to do things willy-nilly here, get rid of this. Uh, cases we've been involved in where they say you can't collect rainwater on your, your property and stuff like that. Across the country, homelessness. Stop that. Get together, get down to your local city council meetings. And that's the key participate in government because what you said it government flows up mm -hmm. it's us once it gets trapped in a, a bunch of people on a city council meeting who care about getting a salary mm -hmm. power money and glorification mm -hmm. and that's not what it's for it's for helping people out in your community and not accumulating the power and that's what we're seeing civil liberties oversight committees and i've seen this happen one guy at a City council meeting with a sign is considered a weirdo. Three is considered a movement, and they start going, uh-oh, what are we going to do about this one? That's good. Yeah, it freaks them out. Standing out in front of the city council meeting saying, stop overtaxation. Stop the SWAT team raids. Stop your police from looking at our Facebook accounts and doing surveillance on us. Hmm. You can do a lot of things, but here's the key. Education precedes action. Get educated. A good place to go is our website, by the way, at rutherford.org. Mm -hmm. Read all the articles that my wife and I are writing at this particular point in time. Get our Bill of Rights pamphlet. Read that to your children at home. I had one guy when I was on a radio interview not, uh, a couple of years ago. He called and said, hey, it works. I read it to my kids. <laughs> so you realize the Bill of Rights is only 462 words, mm -hmm. and most Americans have never read it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have a Fourth Amendment right. You have, listen. Red flag gun laws now, if you're not familiar with those. If a neighbor calls and said, I'm afraid of my neighbor, he's got a gun, and I think he might be, you know, mentally imbalanced. Right. They're actually doing knocks on your door sometimes in the middle of the night trying to grab your weapon. But the Second Amendment says you can't do that. Right. You know, enforce your rights in your local community. Civil okay. liberties oversight committees. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. You know, the, the, the theme of, of this podcast is what is God saying to the American church. And again, what you've just expressed can certainly be done by any citizen, be they yeah. Christian or non-Christian, but is God overall pleased, do you feel, with where the American church is at this point in time? 
And if not, what would he want to want us to be doing or not doing? Listen, there are enough churches across this country to completely revitalize the American dream, which has been lost. And that is we're a Judeo-Christian culture who believes in morals uh, and a structure which, you know, is designed to help others. I see very few churches who do that, even get people even getting outside their churches and getting involved in their communities. Yeah. Uh, pastors. Listen, the American Revolution, the Black Regiment, have you ever heard of the Black Regiment? Yeah. Okay, the Black yeah. Regiment, early American. Black, black Robe Regiment. Black Robe. Exactly. Black Robe Regiment. Oh, yeah. They, they uh, basically helped lead the revolution in early right. America, the American revolution. Yep. Yeah. They said many, they'd be preaching up there. They would pull off their robe. And what would they have up leaning against the, the pulpit? A gun. <laughs> they would pick it up and go, it's time. Uh-huh. And why did the British burn? This is the key I've asked many pastors. Why did the British burn the churches first when they came into local communities? That's where the rebels met. Wow. In the churches. They burned them for that reason. So we've lost all that vision. Sitting in a church, we can sing our hymns, whatever, and, and do that. But <laughs> not the government just closing in on you now like a large spider. Mm-hmm. We've got to start pushing back, folks. And, you know, our job is not just to help Christians, yep. but to help Christians as well. That's good. In fact, you, you make me think of another thing. Uh, do you know um, Marvin Olasky? Does that name ring a bell with you? Yep, I've heard of him. Okay, well, he wrote the book, The Tragedy of American Compassion. And see, what he basically said was, look back in the uh, 1800s, early 1900s, the church and other religious organizations, but the church was the welfare system in America. Exactly. And, and they, it, was, it was good because they could use tough love. They would say to the folks getting off the ships in New York City, we will help you provided that you men will chop wood for the other poor people and women will sew clothes for the other poor people. And they said, no, then we're not going to help you. But as soon as, you know, if you're willing to do your part, we'll help you. And the first job opening that you get, you take it. Okay. And they also were able to share the gospel with these people to change hearts. The government can't do that. But then we have this great society that was formed, you know, Lyndon Johnson and others that, oh, look, we'll take care of the needs of the poor. So what percentage, you know, it's a huge percentage of the federal budget now goes to dependency sorts of things, meeting needs, including cell phones and everything else. And the government just doesn't do nearly the good job that the church did, but the church has kind of given that job over. Yes. It would be so awesome. He points out, by the way, uh, Marvin Olasky says that a bad welfare system will destroy a good welfare system. In other words, a welfare system that just gives and gives and gives, you know, without any re- uh, requirements of of a, of a responsibility on the on the receiving side. Well, you can't get people to show up to work today. Yeah, they, they, that's exactly. People won't show up for work. Why should yeah, I want you stay home? They want you to stay home. The government as they get virtual reality. They want virtual schooling and all that. Why? Because they run the show at that point. Exactly. Well, that's sad. But you know what? We got it. Here's the question. Are you optimistic or pessimistic at this point? I mean, hearing some of your comments, I don't hear a lot of optimism on your part. Am I reading you wrong or am I reading you right, John? Well, you're talking to somebody who's day in, day out studying what's going on in America. I mean, okay. you read, if people look at the books, you'll see all the footnotes and uh-huh. Alfield America and the Government of the Wolves. It's really scary, folks. Okay. I'm realistic. Uh, I don't give up. That's the key. I Good. still think there's hope. 
as long as you know we can maintain the heart of Christ, we can make a change. One person, I think, sometimes can change an entire community. I love it. Standing up for truth. I love it. You know, following civil liberties oversight committees. I love it. Great idea, John. I appreciate chatting with you. I wonder if you could close us with a word of prayer. Yes, be glad to do it. Go. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to do the good that Christ has done for us. Mm. Help our brothers and sisters across the world and help our friends and neighbors uh, to spread the love of Christ and help us to be strong and to stay in the battle. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. John, thank you for spending time with us this day. And I, I pray God's rich blessing on you as you continue to press on and not give up. To the end. Thank you, sir. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you. God bless.